Hey everybody, welcome to Best Show Best. This is the best of the best show, the new version of the best show. And for people who don't know, the best show takes place each and every Tuesday night from 9 p.m. till midnight over at thebestshow.net. And if you uh, are new to the program, these are little bite-sized greatest hits samples of what we do every week. So check this out. And if you want more, you can listen to the full three-hour extravaganza and check it out. And if you want to support The Best Show, the way to do that is to uh, download the episodes and to give us reviews on iTunes and to tell people that the show is back and that you like it. So please check out this new episode of Best Show Bests. Well, guys, this is exciting. On the hotline. I don't think the hotline's ever been hotter than right now. (laughs) This is why a hotline is called a hotline. Because when you have hot guests. And we have a guy on the hotline right now. The last time he was on this show was a while ago. And back then he was one of nine Daily Show correspondents. Now he is the owner of comedy. Pretty much. He might hang up. I better stop this, or he is going to hang up. We have John Oliver on the line. How are you, John? Hello, uh, this hotline is tepid. This is a tepid, tepid line you have. It's a tepid. No, it's a hot line. Are you kidding? It's white hot right now. Okay, we'll see about that. Watch me cool this line off. <laughs> You're going to cool off the hot line. That sounds like a challenge. I didn't mean yeah. it as a challenge. This thing is going to have ice dripping off it by the time this call is done. <laughs> the cold line. How are you doing? Fine, thanks, Tom. How are you? I'm good. It's it's exciting to to talk to you. It's exciting to talk to you. It's good to have you back. Oh well, thank you. I'm. It's good to have you back. <laughs> okay, um, let's stop this yeah. right now. What are we writing? Book jacket blurbs? Yeah. <laughs> Neither one of us can carry this kind of thing off. No, no. It just feels unseemly now you john oliver are the host of uh last week tonight which Mm -hmm. you began your second season a few weeks ago yeah and this season it's it's really great this season it's on hbo by the way for people who uh don't know how could nobody not know that but it's possible it is possible but it's on hbo on sunday nights and it's uh yeah, you, you guys really kind of hit the ground running on this second season. Oh, thanks. It definitely did not feel like that. It felt like we hit the ground hard and then started crawling across the ground. But uh, hmm. look, as long as we're moving, I'm happy with that. Sometimes you, yeah, sometimes you have to take, but the, the thing is, nobody knows that but you. Nobody sees the scenes. That's it. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's the problem. Whenever anyone says, oh, I, I really enjoyed the show. I always feel the inclination to correct it, saying, you know, it was a disaster until about four hours beforehand, right? And that's information nobody needs. Yeah. Nobody needs to know that. It is not your job. It is no one's job to disabuse people of what they liked. No, it's, it's, it's an insane instinct. No one wants to hear that. Oh, yeah, well, it was really, nearly bad, and it'll be bad in the future. <laughs> yes. And you'll be disappointed. Yeah. So just try and enjoy the false enjoyment that you're enjoying now for as long as you can. <laughs> I hope that this interaction has seen everything you dreamed it would be. 
<laughs> yes, you're. And then they leave. They're like, wait, does this guy want to even do the thing I like? I'm not sure if I. I don't think I like his show anymore. He doesn't I, like I don't it. Think, I'm not making him do it. <laughs> yes, what, it. Why do I feel guilty? Yeah, he's aware that this is not like the army or something, that he was not right. drafted into doing the show. Like, hey, man, your number came up. I'm so sorry. You have to host last week tonight. I, I think I think it's an innate problem, though. I think it's, you know, it's partially British and it's par- partially personal. Though. I always feel the need to correct. So... Whenever praise comes in, I feel the need to correct that with a fact, with a negative fact. And, you know, that's not healthy either publicly or personally. That doesn't, no one gets anything out of that. No, it, it benefits nobody. No, nobody, no. And, no. Then, and then you just see a guy, you see people who just play it cool, and they just, they just navigate through... Like, do you think if you went up to Tom Hanks, you're just like, hey, I like The Terminal, like a movie that I don't think anybody actually likes. And you said, like, hey, that I like that movie meant a lot to me. He would probably just go, oh, thanks so much. I appreciate That's that. That's right. That's he, right. And you'd walk away feeling warm. Thinking, yeah. oh, that film that I know wasn't one of his best, but which I liked due to the fact that I was on a plane watching it. <laughs> he, he seemed to really appreciate it. I appreciated the interaction we had. I'll go see his next project. Yes. He's I'll not see the terminal two if it happens. The term, yeah, the terminal two. I think, I, 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 I pitched the terminal two on the show a couple of weeks ago. I think you need to crack it open like the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, start adding people to them. Like, so, yeah. So, the, the worst thing they did with that was not make a second one eighteen months later. Yeah, rush it into production. Yeah, where Tom Hanks looks and who else is stuck in the terminal? <laughs> It's Jason Statham is also right. stuck, and he can't get out of the terminal either. That's right. And guess who else is stuck? Vin Diesel. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Vin Diesel is stuck in the terminal. I think though he would, he would be one. He would just get on one of those like carts and drive it uh, just out of the terminal. Though, like he would think it's a Fast and the Furious movie and just get on one of those people mover things when they move somebody with a broken leg through the airport <laughs> and just drive it backwards out through security. The point is you've already proven that this franchise has legs. I've pr- you've already proven that because you've got- already written in a dialogue scene and an action sequence. <laughs> they've got options. That's all I'm saying. You guys have options. The, for Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, you guys have options with the Terminal franchise. Now, it's not done. The story's not finished. <laughs> this, no. It, it felt like we were just getting a taste of it with that first movie about a guy stuck in an airport. Of course, because it's easy to think that movie was about Tom Hanks. That movie was about an airport. The character <laughs> is the airport. It's the airport people want to see. So it's the equivalent of when people say New York is a character in That's something. That's exactly right. The airport. The star of that movie was the terminal. Yes, Newark Hence Airport. Newark Airport is a character in this oh, movie. Of course it is. Of course it is. Which is your favorite terminal at Newark Airport, John Oliver? Oh, boy. I mean, the thing is, if you're, if you're going to be miserable, why not be the most miserable you can be? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for uh, the Delta Terminal that's shaped like a donut. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's where you just, sometimes you just walk around whatever they flexed in and out, whatever. I think the Auntie Anne's pretzel is gone now. 
because it was smoking people out of the donut hole. <laughs> yeah. But, I, yeah for, for, for true misery, it's got to be the Delta Donut at Newark Airport. Which I think is Terminal B. That's, I believe that's right. <laughs> I think it is B, yes. And uh, now, uh, look, that's not what you're here for. I want to ask you about... You, you, you guys have, like... You're like on 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 the show now. Last week tonight, you're like you're like th- th- you're like stirring it up with people. <laughs> like you're like you're you're looking to like get into like it's like scuffs. Oh, we we did that. That was our first show back. We did. Uh, I, I want to say two and a half to three minutes of jokes about the president of Ecuador. Yeah, and that was it. Pretty much said that the fact he'd been. He'd been uh, hitting people back on Twitter. His Twitter critics, he'd been publicly shaming them and trying to get his followers to tweet back at them. And this makes sense if, you know, this is a member of a C-grade boy band. But this is a president of a, this is a head of state. Yeah. So we made a few jokes about him. And then he reacted and started tweeting at me all week various insulting things about how no English comedians had ever been funny. So I basically went to a high-profile beef with the head of state the first week back. Yeah, you said you did that, but then you cooled it down by going after tobacco. <laughs> oh, yeah, I suppose that's true. You just you decide it's like, look, guys, let's yeah. let's cool our jets. We're only going to go after Philip Morris now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten that. Yeah, I guess we did do that. Yeah, I mean, I guess look, it's. But my again, this is going back to my inherent negativity. At some point, this show is going down, so why not go down in flames? Oh, it's it's awesome! You're on that thing, and you're like, you're throwing rocks at people. Oh, I'm I'm going to Thelma and Louise this thing off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, you play it the you play the, your cards the right way. You'll be you'll transition from this to season two of the Jinx. <laughs> You'll be, you'll be like, you'll be like true, a true detective. It's just like, yeah, well, it's not the same guy every season. The jinx is a different guy every year. It's like this year, it's the guy who did that news thing. Yeah. He's, he's now the jinx. AP Mike, who, you know, uh, he, he just calls the guy on Twitter, the jinx. He, as if that's his name, the jinx, (laughs) like he's the rock. So you think the jinx did it then? Mike does think the Jinx did it. Did, did he think the Jinx did three of three or one of three, two of three? He, does he think he got the hat trick of murders? Mike, my all three. Mike says all three. Mike says the Jinx. You'd have to throw squids at the Jinx in Mike's world for for his job. You'd have to throw squids with knives in them, maybe. That's right. He's whirling a squid around his head saying, I'm saying all three for the jinx, and he's hurling it. <laughs> now, um, you, sir, John Oliver, mm-hmm. you know what's interesting is that you have done so many types of comedy through your life, because you now are doing topical comedy, but mm-hmm. you've, been, yeah. you've done plenty of stand-up throughout your career yeah yeah i've always done that yeah and you also have done a lot of like what would you call like a cons- more conceptual things when you were 
maybe a younger guy? Conceptual. Yeah, I think you're mistaking me for an artist there. Well, Conceptual always sounds like you've got 20 people in a dimly lit room standing around something being miserable. And <laughs> yeah, no, no. I have absolutely done gigs where that was the case and I was the thing in the middle of that room. <laughs> well, I mean more like, maybe I meant to say more British in the way that in the great tra- in, in the tradition of very written uh, idea based yeah. comedy, yeah, where you you came up with a bunch of guys like uh, with uh, Richard Ayoade, and That's right, yeah. Did you read his book yet? I have I haven't read it yet. I just finished reading it. It's really funny. He uh, yeah, it sounds great. It's really he he wrote a book. He's the guy who, if people don't know from. I guess you'd know him best from, like, the IT crowd. Yeah, uh, or Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. If, yeah. If, yeah. He's Dean Lerner on... Yeah. So, and he um, he wrote a book, because he also has directed a couple movies, about, um, as if he's, like, this... About being a filmmaker, and he's interviewing himself for the whole thing. And it I know that sounds bleak, in a way, <laughs> but... And it kind of is, for the first, like, three pages, you're just like, wait... This thing is 300 pages long. Am I really going to do this? And then you just start. You're like, oh, yeah, I think I, I see what this is, and I am going to read this whole thing. Now, that is conceptual. If you're going cover to cover on a 300-page self-analysis of someone basically doing a parody of interviews, yes, then that's a conceptual joke. Sure. It's somebody who also is not actually actually revealing one detail about themselves as an actual human either. Yeah, yeah, never, ever. I think when you talk about British comedy being conceptual, often that is just a basic deflection exercise. Uh, exercise. So just not wanting really to address any personal com- uh, conversation or personal information. I think <laughs> generally in the past, over the last half century, British comedians have done whatever it takes. If it's Monty Python dressing up as Victorian ladies, they'll do it. Mm-hmm. If it's in each other with fish, they'll do it. Just don't ask them how they actually are. Yeah, yeah, just like, wait, what? What? You mean the sweat starts pouring down as they're in a dress? That's right. And they're trying. No, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to be a vicar here. What are you <laughs> doing? Don't ask. What do you want? What do you want to know about my childhood? No. Yeah. If you if you held John Cleese with one hand on each shoulder, looked into his eyes, and said, "Just tell me how you're doing right now," he would be running towards a costume store like the wind. <laughs> Yeah, he'd be like, look, I'm not great physically anymore, but I'm going to do the silly walk away right now. I'm probably going to end up in the hospital after I do it because my legs are shot. I will happily throw both hips out to not engage in the premise of what you just asked. Yeah, just just to avoid any sort of discussion of living. He'll get wheeled into a hospital and they'll say, Mr. Cleese, what happened? Did someone ask you something again? And he'll say, yes. Yes, now ice my hip. <laughs> Do you miss any of that type? Like, because like, you kind of, I mean, you do fit other styles into the body of the show in the flow. It, it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, uh, like, it's, it's not a very narrow show in that way. But do you miss, like, that type of being, like, full-on, 
Hi everybody, Tim Heidecker here. We have a brand new Office Hours that just came out of the oven. We've got legendary psych rocker Ty Siegel. And Doug is back from down under. G'day. G'day. And his mommy came with him. Mommy and Gary Lusenhop are here too. Alicia let me know that she finished the White Album, has thoughts on that. So much more on this legendary episode of Office Hours. Find us on your podcast app of choice or watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash office hours live. Who are the animals because I don't smell them. British comedy like that. I think, I think we try to still do a little bit. If we do any show which is, you know, has an, a, a really serious scene running through the middle of it, then... We're about to do the stupidest thing you've ever seen on television. <laughs> so I think that is our inclination. That we very much get, we know where our lane is. So yeah, if, if you're doing a serious story which is potentially sad, or well, we did this thing last year about Iraqi and uh, Afghan translators, very sad story. You know, we did our best with it. The, so the next story after that, we dressed, we built an entire dog Supreme Court, <laughs> and. And then we literally, I scaled down Supreme Court. We cast nine dogs for the nine justices. We put them in little, little Supreme Court judge costumes. And that was how that show ended. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're thinking at any point, wow, this is pretty serious, it's about to get at least twice as dumb as it was serious. That's like when in the corner a, a, a countdown clock can almost begin. <laughs> it's like. That's right. Why is it counting down from 30 seconds now? What? Yeah. That's, that's because someone's inflating something somewhere <laughs> behind the stage. <laughs> Getting ready to cut the saddest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Now, now you, the last time we, I think it might have been the last time you were on, on the show. Was that when you, you, you predicted the World Cup? Yeah. Which would have been the two thousand? Was that two thousand eight World no, Cup? No, it would have been two thousand. It would have been the two thousand ten World Cup in South Africa. Yes. Yeah. And that was, uh, yeah. You called it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I called. I called that, and I called the fact that those Zulus were going to irritate people. <laughs> you called. Yes. Well, I don't know if that one took as much insight. True. To... True. That was yeah. There was no Nostradamus skills involved yeah. in that. Is there like a warehouse full of Vuvuzelas right now where they're just like, maybe we shouldn't have reordered on this? Like, I think there's, there are a number of warehouses of people that went all in and they're looking at it saying, you, at least a fundamental rule of investing, you sit on this. Yeah. Like, the worst thing you could do is drop the price. You sit, they'll come back. Yeah, exactly. They, it's like you wait. When they're kids, they like it. If we can just sit for it when they're adults, they're going to want to have Vuvuzelas for their kids. Of course they are. I mean, it's just wait, about waiting for a generation. We just we need... This place ticking over for 20 years, we're good. <laughs> if we can just store these things for $80,000 a month for the next 20 years, we can actually sell them. Maybe we should just melt these down and <laughs> turn them into something else. Now, uh... <laughs> When you see this U.S. soccer, like these teams, like the Red Bulls and stuff, yeah, where where are you on on that? Well, I find the whole the whole of it a little bit sad because for start, lots of the teams don't play on grass, and that 
you know, that really is one of the main ingredients you need for, for that sport. You need something round, you need a human foot, and you need grass. And I remember seeing Beckham, the first game he played at Meadowlands, and you know, it was on the artificial surface, and he took a free kick, and his foot kind of whacked into what is, you know, concrete, <laughs> two feet under there. And there was just a look of sadness on his face of, oh, what have I done? I really hope my wife likes living in Los Angeles because my ankle hurts. Can can you say that in your David Beckham voice? <laughs> oh, what if I can? Oh, my ankle hurts. I hope Victoria likes it over in L.A. I know she does. She likes making clothes. <laughs> that is when you... I, I forget where I heard you talk about that when you were just like, this is the most perfect human who's yeah. ever existed in every way, but then he's just... To almost just make him human, he yeah. was stuck with that voice. It's like it is like a Greek story. He has an Achilles voice because he is perfect. <laughs> there is nothing. Everything is where it's supposed to be on his face and body. Yeah, perfect proportions. You kind of staggered when you see him because he doesn't even look like a meathead. Mm -hmm. so he's not over muscles. He's just how humans are supposed to look if they need to lift things and thrive. Yeah, you know, he just looks good. But then, and then, he, then he speaks, and you think you'd be the first to die. <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll run you out of the village with that voice. He could have been like a 13th century king, when when as, when as long as about eight people in his court were aware <laughs> of what his voice was, and yeah. then the rest of the time he just enigmatically waved at a crowd. He'd be fine. In yeah. this day and age, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, he just... <laughs> it is so funny. To, it's kind of... It, it's its good, though. He must know it, too. Oh, right? he must know it. There's a, there's a reason why all his underwear commercials are silent. <laughs> oh, it's him on a motorbike looking beautiful and then maybe lounging on some kind of leather sofa uh, in just his underwear looking at a camera and then they cut away before he says, Why not buy these pants? Because, because that would undercut the three-day shoot that went before it. Yeah, like somebody's like writing down. They're like, "Look, what problem? What is this? Oh my! I need to be like that." And then they just scratch it out on the paper. They they're crossing out gap, and when they hear him say, when they hear him say the gap, yeah, exactly. You can't have that. The moment any, any commercial usually cuts to. Uh, text on screen, as soon as you see him, open his mouth as if to speak. It's an editor cheating as much as possible of him into it before anything noise comes out of his face. Yeah. It's like they're just saying there's nothing we can do with this guy. Could you imagine his manager, like, teeing up things? It's like, look, you're, gonna, you're not going to want him to – like, they're looking at the script for the underwear commercial, and they're just like – Trust me, like when he's he's like at the other side of the conference room, it's just like you're not going to want him to say these lines. You're just, just. Are you, are you sure? Because all we need is him to look in and say, you know, Louis Vuitton jeans." We just need him to say that you don't want it. <laughs> but, but look, look at that you don't want it. <laughs> you, 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 you think you want it, and I know what you want. He can't give you that. Okay, it's yeah, it's not happening. So, so let's put him on a motorbike. Let's have him pull his jeans up, move the camera up to his face, and then cut. Yeah, let's just punch out. We, 
You come to America, John Oliver, and you choose to become a Mets fan. Yeah, yeah. What led to, like, what, what did you see, like, a good game, and you're just like, that's my team? And then <laughs> no. did no one tell you about the other games? No, that, that's what happened with football. I became a Jets fan because I went to, the first game I went to was with a friend of mine who's a Jets fan. I thought, okay, I'll support this team. And that year the Giants won the Super Bowl. So he is single-handedly responsible for that kind of misery. The Mets I brought upon myself. And that was because the Yankees have a relationship with Manchester United, who are an English football team, who you know I, I do not particularly appreciate. And so I knew I, could, that I couldn't bear that relationship. And also, I just don't think you can move to New York and choose the Yankees. I don't think that's, that's not really how life works. <laughs> or, or it is how life works. Well, you know who <laughs> does? shouldn't be. Do you know who does things like that? People who no. don't, uh, don't tell people that the thing that they liked was uh, that they think it was actually terrible. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Because it's the same logic. You think, well... I get a chance to pick a team. There's this team which seems like it will give me such joy. Yeah, these guys are winners. Over the next year, these That's guys right. are these guys are winners, just like me. <laughs> I'm gonna... That's right. I'm going to walk in there with my head held high. Yeah. To watch men with their chest puffed out winning things. Yeah, I like winning. I'm a winner. These guys seem like they win a fair amount. I'm gonna. Right. I'm joining the winners. Why? What? Like when you hear about like I'm a Kansas City Royals fan and they. Finally made the but it's like, well, if, to be and to be if you have your pick of any team, you don't have to pick the worst one like that. Yeah, there's no pride. There, like there's, there is a point to just not pick the worst one by default. Was reflexively, well, which one frustrates you the most? Okay, the Royals, the Cubs. I guess one of these seems to fit my to fit what I see back in the mirror when I'm. Looking right, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's it, isn't it? It's, it's all about it's all coming from inside you. If you look in the mirror and you see the Yankees, then good luck to you. But that's luck that you won't need because your life is going to be a breeze. Yeah, and Personally, uh, yeah, I look in the mirror and I see David Wright. Not even not even David Wright. Not not even him. I see. Yeah, which Carlos Beltran maybe. That's okay. That's who you see in the old you... Beltran days. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, the Mets are. There's always next year, and oh, it's always hope. That's the look. I, 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 I am a basketball fan primarily, mm -hmm. and you'd think, like in New York City, the New York Knicks are just the biggest group of losers. It's been forty-one, forty-two years now since they've won the the championship. I mean that's a that's a it's that's a ridiculous streak for a team that's supposed to be the 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 mecca of basketball the the right. Madison Square Garden it's just like they haven't won since uh like like you know uh, they're shooting the pilot for happy days at that point when the when the Knicks they're just like Gary Marshall's writing this thing called happy days and he's getting ready to go pitch it around town and then he's on the TV in the corner. The Knicks are winning the championship. But I love the thing I loved about the Knicks this year, and they haven't even done this right anymore, is that when they had J.R. Smith, what you have there is a basketball sociopath. Yes, that guy feels nothing. 
He does not. He does not understand disappointment in the crowd, and he will launch shot upon shot. And it's, it's not possible for him to feel guilt or shame. And I, I've never laughed as hard at sport as the last time I saw him play there, where he launched in. I want to say triple coverage. <laughs> he launched a hopeless shot with about nine seconds left on the clock. Yeah, the crowd audibly groaned as it left his hand. It missed by a fair distance, and he just smiled and ran back as if to say, I'll get him next time. Yeah, that's the shooter's mentality. It's just yeah. like, if that one didn't go in, the next one is going in. That's that's why I'm out on this floor, and you're watching me out on right. this floor. Because at some point, they are going to start going in. That's right. That's a level of self-confidence I find inexplicable. Now... You know, it's a funny thing that you do on, not, not a funny thing, one of the many funny things you do on on Last Week Tonight, which is on Sunday nights on HBO, It's uh, mm-hmm. is is your use of just names now. Like you, yeah. you just <laughs> dropping, like referring to pictures and, yeah. a, and just a, a, attributing names to those people yeah. in them. That that seems like to me that would be the most fun part of working on the show in in every aspect. It's so, it's so much fun. You can apply entire backstories <laughs> to the stock footage human being who appears over my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah well, like if one has a peanut allergy and I'm screaming at him, then sure, yeah, I'm going to scream at him and I'm going to call him Duncan because <laughs> why would I not address him by name? Yeah, you, you you called one guy who was like a successful college graduate or, or, or who was at a, a lawyer. You called him yeah. Declan. <laughs> you, yeah. you started yelling at Declan. Yep. Yeah, yeah I think that the next stage, because you're right, you're absolutely right, it's one of the happiest things that we do. The next stage is to start to bring them back. It may, it may be in a few years' time. Declan is going to emerge in another scenario, and you're going to get a little glimpse into what happened to Declan. So we just need to juggle that. <laughs> that is, yeah, it's really funny when you guys do that. And I do this thing now. It's a new thing where I ask rapid-fire questions of people. Okay. And, uh, but the, 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 okay, would you like to do this? Would sure. you? I'll, would you? I'll, I'll do some rapid fire questions. Sure, and mm-hmm. uh, people should know. Yeah, one one other thing, just about the British comedy thing. When you do, you find that the voice of Alan Partridge just hangs in your head. All the, I mean, it hang it hangs on. Look, I didn't grow up. It hangs on in my head all all the time. I just hear him just go, ay ay ay. The one when he's like stretching, when he's doing, and he does that terrible song, Melting Pot. Yes. That, I maybe have watched that more than, than anything, watching him go, uh, like, take a pinch of white, man. (laughs) That, which, and that song was an actual hit, by the way. People should, it's one of the all time worst songs, this song, Melting Pot. Oh my God. That is, that, it seems like another thing. That it's like meant to actually trigger a race war. Yeah, well, he's, that's the thing about Alan Partridge. He's objectively funny in that it's a really funny character with great jokes across it. But I'll, I'm not sure that American audience quite understand how deep that character is. That is, I understand 
every aspect of that character. We've, oh, but he is so, so profoundly English to his sad bones. <laughs> Just... it's, it's one of the great comedy characters. Oh, I, I, re- I look. I think that is that that character is in the the history of fiction. That just goes right up there with anything that's come before. And I hope he does Alan Partridge for the rest of his life. Steve oh, King. definitely. Yeah, right it, from the start, though, when he was first on radio, when he was just a sports commentator, even then he had such sadness behind him. You constantly got glimpses into his broken marriage, <laughs> in the awkward handoffs he'd have with Chris Morris. It's just, it is the perfect character, and it came out fully formed. Yeah, and then then they just pulled the, then they just showed you the world that was always yeah. there with it. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I love it so, but I just, it just seems like I would be like a, not able to ever say anything if I was <laughs> in any way doing any announcing and had a, a British accent. I would just hear that all the time in my head. Well, that's, that's how great a character he was. He basically made it impossible to announce anything. You can't really introduce a thing in England anymore without it being undercut by that glorious man. <laughs> because, yeah, it is... It's my all-time favorite thing, except for last week tonight. <laughs> Sorry, Alan Partridge, you're in the, the number two slot. You, sure. get, you get the silver now. All right, let's do this rapid fire questions, and then I'll let you get back to your uh, your busy uh, life. I'm sure you're getting ready to go. You're probably plotting going after someone. This, I'm sure there's some uh, sure some corporation. I guess it's it, a, that you're gonna. It, it's less to do with that as it is just coming up with a list of names who seem applicable to the photographs over my shoulder. That's where we're spending most of our time. So now. you're building them that way now. You're just like, yeah. this guy looks yep. like a lawyer. What what <laughs> bad things do lawyers do? That's right. <laughs> you build around a face and a name. <laughs> that is. That's right. He looks like an Antonio. Okay. <laughs> Let's see what we can do with that. That is so funny. I I really do love the show so much, and I'm glad you guys are doing it, and you're doing it the way you're doing it. It's really. It's awesome to see you use the that the way the platform the way you use it. So, well, I, to make, that's the, that's the thing though. It's the beauty with HBO is they don't say anything. Mm-hmm. They don't do they don't give you any notes other than like just giving you enough rope to either hang yourself or just have a big pile of rope. <laughs> you basically, if if you fail with them, it's kind of your fault, which is both intimidating and amazing. So yeah, we. Yeah, I guess we we do every week like it's our last show, just because I can't quite believe we get to do, you know, genuinely and deeply whatever we want there. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's great, and you guys are picked up for two more seasons, right? Is that? Yeah, yeah. So now you even have that much more. Now there's going to be now you can see the lull on the horizon. That's right. You can see the lull, or like in my head, I'm thinking, when does Declan have children? <laughs> All right, let's do this rapid-fire questions with John Oliver. Okay. What's the dumbest purchase you've ever made? (laughs) Oh, that's a great question. Uh, The dumbest purchase. Oh, God. I've made 
so many dumb purchases. First one that I comes wanna, to mind. Okay, it's probably... Uh, it was probably a Family Guy Season 3 box set. Okay, all right. Without having Seasons 1 and 2. Yeah, I think we might close that question down <laughs> on this rapid-fire questions list. I think there's no other answer to it. Yep, pretty well, dumb. Question two, would you push Eric Clapton out of a hot air balloon or would you launch him into space? Uh, I think Clapton goes to space. Okay. You just ignore the man and listen to the solos. All right. What's the most popular movie you've never seen? Oof. Uh, I haven't seen any of the Captain America movies. Okay. They were pretty popular. Yes. Those are uh, I can't even... The most popular, like the all-time popular. Yeah, like I've never seen Titanic, for example. <laughs> wow, you kind of closed that down. I think I might. That's my Family Guy season three. Oh, I've never seen Avatar. Well, well, that's you just movie beat of all time. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. yeah you win. You're winning all it the categories. Really bad. It looks really, really bad. It's terrible. You're watching yeah. it. And you finally think it's over, and there's another hour to go in it. That's You're like, what I figured. I, oh. There wasn't even a wave of curiosity that dragged me into it. There was no. Normally, there's a, an internal sense of shame that you're missing out on a cultural moment. No. I just felt cold. Not on. Not on this one. You 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 pegged it on that one. Uh, let's see. If you could have less of one emotion, what would it be? Ooh, um. Probably. Probably sadness. Okay. Don't take it all, though. All right. What's, what's the longest you've gone without sleeping? Two and a half days, probably. Okay. Yeah. If, if you were on the run, where would you hide? <laughs> I, I like that. Um, naturally, I would probably run towards a forest. Okay. Just reflexively just running towards the woods. Yeah. All right, what, well, enough with this nerd stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's oh. A, oh, is that, that's, that's the question. That's an inflection up yeah. question. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. Okay. Who doesn't get their just desserts? Who doesn't get Now, do you mean that in a good way or a bad way? However you want it to be interpreted. Um, I think... I think Armando Inucci doesn't get his just desserts. Okay. As just because he he gets plenty of desserts, mm -hmm. but you have to understand that this was a guy in English comedy behind Alan Partridge. He kind of basically dominated English comedy for the last twenty years. Sure. Things and would be very different if he was not around. Yeah. Be a lot more. Uh... He gets a lot of desserts as well. That's what's so impressive. He gets plenty, lots of desserts, but he needs another one. Still. Not just desserts, though. No. Right. All right. Two more. What's the most embarrassing thing you've said to a celebrity? <laughs> that was that was David Beckham. That was, that, it was unquestionably David Beckham. And what, and, what, what did you say? Well, because he was standing there, and I, I, there were friends of mine that were talking to him because they didn't care about him. And I care about him so very, very much that my heart was pounding, and all I knew was that he'd... He was about to uh, move to play for AC Milan. And I said to him, in very, very quickly, blurting out in one breath, Willie, I think you're moving to Milan. I think that'll be a very good move for you and your family. 
And I think bringing his family into it really, really yeah. creeps him out. Yeah, makes it seem like you're uh, like you're up to something. It really, really did. Yeah, yeah it was, and it, it, he was totally right. He was right to be unnerved. I handled it terribly, and it went as badly as I knew it would before I opened my mouth. <laughs> that is, that's awesome. One final one. Give yep. me something, John Oliver. That Huffington Post can do a headline of that you won't believe what John Oliver just said. Well, they can do. See, that's a false premise. That question. They can do a headline on anything. They can. They can sell nothing. They, they're all, all, almost managing to get into philosophical quandary territories at the moment because <laughs> they, they can clickbait the, the concept of a void. Yeah. So you're saying you've already answered that question i think the whole world has already answered that question there is things are happening every second that they could make a headline out of because nothing is happening every second so if i told you please give me something and you won't believe what he said next there's no answer <laughs> You've already done it. you just let that hang in the air yeah all right that's a fair there's no there's no wrong answer to that there is no there's look Half of these questions are traps, and I'm waiting. You're the first person to kind of, you're the first person to realize that. So, Huffington uh, Post are really just doing nothing more than chronicling the gradual passage of time. Yeah, it's like a hundred years ago, it would have, it was whittling. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's electronic whittling. Yeah, watch this whittler. You'll never believe what this whittler did. Next. Watch this old man whittle. I guess that's true. I don't know what part of the yeah. stick he whittled. Yeah. Well, exactly. That's that's our point. This whittler. And it's always like the reactions they have to these things. like, well, you guys are easily moved by things. That's right. This whittle stick doesn't look like it used to now. Yeah. This it whittle, doesn't look yeah. like this anymore. Yeah. This whittling video is the best thing we've seen all year. What? But I was like... Watch this cat. It's the best thing we've seen in our life. Okay, mm -hmm. the, really the best thing in your life is watching a, a cat uh, cat uh, climb a curtain? All right. Yeah, the, the, you've, the problem is you've engaged and given a thought to what they've done there. Yes. And uh, they've already moved on. They, they, uh, they win. They win again. You did it again, Huffington Post. Again, time, time stood still. Yeah. You stood watching it. They've already moved on. Yes. And now they're saying this alligator in a wig will make <laughs> you wish you'd never been born. <laughs> and if you even engage in the logic of that, you've missed it. Look, his chicken in sandals. It's it perfect. And you're, you're just, and then suddenly you realize you're in a hospital bed dying of natural causes. That's right. And it's, it's over. And then you die. And you look at it, the first thing you see is a computer screen. It's like, watch this old man die. You'll never believe what happens You'll next. You'll never believe what this old man does next. <laughs> if it die, click on it. Click yeah. on it. Oh, my We're God. We're not telling you. Oh, this is, this is the most depressing thing I've ever heard. I can't think about any of this. Well, John, John Oliver, thank you so much for, for calling. And I, I, it was great to talk to you. And uh, I hope to talk to you more. Definitely. Thanks so much, All Tom. Right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, right. buddy. Okay. Bye. Bye. How's that, Mike? Fun, right? Fun, uh, fun time, right? 
Very lively. He's funny. I told you he was funny, Mike. You gotta hear Mike throwing the guests. Man, this guy. You can't please him. No, Mike. Mike would have rather I bumped John Oliver to talk to his uh, Grateful Dead loving friend about how he couldn't get into a concert. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to Best Show Best. And I want to thank Martin DeGrell for uh, supervising the episodes. I want to thank Jason Gore, Pat Byrne, Martin Sellis, Brendan McDonald, AP Mike, John Worcester, of course, and you. And once again, listen to The Best Show live each and every Tuesday night on your computer at thebestshow.net. Thanks so much.